Today's scripture reading is John 3, 16 through 21. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. Uh, Tina Turner's biggest hit asked the question, what's love got to do with it? And if you were here last week or listened last week, then you would have heard the Bible's answer to that question. What's love got to do with it? Everything, right? Everything, everything. Without love, there is nothing. Without love, there is no Jesus. Without love, there is no forgiveness of sin. There is no salvation. Love is the key to everything in God. And we saw this last week as we meditated upon John 3.16. And it reminded us that Jesus came into the world to show forth the love of God. To demonstrate the love of God in ways never before seen. In ways never before understood. The nation of Israel, beloved, in the Old Testament, understood that God loved them. The nation of Israel, in the Old Testament, like us, loved itself. But the Bible comes and speaks to us in John 3.16 and introduce something that is altogether new. An altogether astonishing, a truth that Israel had never comprehended in the Old Testament. And that is that God loves the world. What? When the Bible comes and proclaims that God loves the world, no doubt. Those in that time would have said, what? Are you serious? No way. Because you see, in their mind, the Messiah was to come and be the hope of Israel. But John 3.16 reveals that Jesus Messiah is the hope of the nation. The indiscriminate hope and love of the world. This, beloved, was altogether new. But then again, it was not new. 
For this had, had been the revelation of God in the scriptures for all the time. This is what the Bible had talked all along. The promised Messiah was never just promised as the hope of Israel. The promised Messiah was the hope of the nations. In Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 10, the Bible says, In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for all peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. He shall be a banner for the peoples. The nations shall rally to him. And how did the apostles eventually come to understand this? Well, you see it in Romans chapter 15 and verse 12. How did they understand 11, uh, Isaiah 11 and 10? Well, Paul applies that passage to Jesus and says, again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him the Gentiles will hope. Because that had always been the design and the desire of our loving Heavenly Father, Jesus, the Messiah to the nations. God so loved the nations that he sent Jesus. Jesus came to reveal the love of God for the world. But not only that, Jesus came to reveal the light of God to the world. Remember we saw last week as we meditated on John 3, 16, 17, and 18, that the love of God in Christ brings salvation to all, all who believe in Jesus. And this salvation we define from the text in John 3 and 18 means no longer being condemned. No longer being condemned. Listen, beloved, listen, listen. People perish. It's what the Bible teaches here. People perish because they refuse to believe that Jesus died to take away our sin. That's why people perish. If Jesus does not take away your sin, that means that you are still in your sin and your sin condemns you every day. In other words, Romans chapter 3, verse 23 is correct, right? For all have sinned and thus fallen short of the glory of God. And this is the judgment. The judgment of God is against you because you have failed to honor and glorify God with your life. 
But what Jesus did, okay, what Jesus did, Jesus came into the world to take away that condemnation. He came to take away the condemnation for our sin. And that's why the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But if you don't believe in Jesus as the Son of God, as the only one who can take away your sin, then your condemnation remains because you are still in your sins. And John 3.16 says that when you die, you will perish. Is that clear? Here's the point. Here's the point. The judgment which we face in death is determined in this life. It is in this life that you determine your existence and how your existence will be in the life to come. And those who believe in Jesus in this life will not be judged or condemned in the life to come. But those who refuse to believe, those who refuse to believe now and trust in Jesus in this life, they are already condemned. That's what the text says. They are already judged. Why? Because John 3 and 18 says, because they have not believed. What this text reminds us this morning is that un belief leads to death and destruction. And this death is due to the darkness. This is the power of the darkness. It is the power of sin. It is the power of death. Light, beloved, is the only power over the darkness. Light is the power over sin. Light is the power over death. So here are two points this morning. Here are two points this morning, right? The first point is the power of the darkness that we'll see. And our second point 
is the presence of the light. Okay? The power of the darkness and the presence of the light. The strength of the darkness, don't miss this, the strength of the darkness is our natural affinity for it. That's what the Bible says, right? We love the darkness. What an indictment, beloved. That is the power of the darkness. That is the strength of the darkness. It is our own affinity for it. What is darkness? What is darkness? Well, a simple definition is this, right? Darkness is the absence of light. It's the absence of light. It is the natural state or condition of a time or place where there is no light. In the beginning, when the Bible says that God created the heaven and the earth, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, you see what it says? Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. Why? Because darkness is what you have when you have no light. Darkness is what you have when you have no God. Why? Because 1 John Chapter 1 and verse 5 reminds us that God is light. God is light. And without him, the world remains in darkness. Without God doing something, the world would have remained in darkness. Without him, every man and woman exists in a perpetual blindness, in a darkness. And this is why darkness rules the world. Because men and women exist in a perpetual darkness, having such an affinity for it, and therefore refuse to acknowledge God. Because we love the darkness. And we're dark. This is dark. Darkness in the Bible is a condition or state, beloved, not so much of the natural world, but a picture of spiritual realities apart from the light of God. It is the spiritual reality of men and women apart from the light of God. Refusing to acknowledge God. And in this sense, beloved, darkness is a state into, into which we are born. Human beings are born in the dark. We don't adopt the dark. We're not like Batman. We're like Bane. 
Isn't that what Bane told Batman? Ah, you think the darkness is your ally. You merely adopted it. Bane told Batman, I was born in it. I was shaped by it. Beloved, ever since the sin of Adam and Eve, the world has been populated with Banes. Men and women born in the darkness. Men and women molded by the darkness. Or as Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3 says, who by nature are children of wrath, sons and daughters of disobedience, natural-born blasphemers, natural-born God-killers. The darkness is a state into which we are born. But not only is it a state into which we are born, because we're born in it, the darkness apart from Christ is a state we live in every day. We exist in it. And this is the love we naturally have for the darkness. Men and women don't naturally love God. We love the darkness. Because we naturally love ourselves. And since we are dark, it stands a reason that we love the darkness. Because we so love ourselves. That's what Romans chapter 3, verse 10 and 12 through 12 reminds us, right? None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. So that you don't so that you don't misunderstand that there might be some exception here, so that you might think that you're the exception, the Bible says again, none, no, not one, no one, no one understands. No one seeks for God. All, all have turned aside. Together, we're all in this together, the Bible says, together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Why? Because we are born in the darkness. We love the darkness. We live in the darkness. This is the state of our birth. This is the condition of our lives. Every day apart from Christ. We're in the dark here. And not only are we born in the dark, and not only do we live in the dark, but because we so love the dark, apart from Christ, darkness will be the state for which we will forever remain. And what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 12 and a couple other places as well, he reminded his disciples that the darkness is that place apart from God where there is eternal judgment and condemnation, where there is weeping and gnashing 
of teeth. Those who reject God and embrace the darkness in this life shall have the death of the darkness forever. And darkness surrounds us, beloved. Darkness envelops us. It is like the water to the fish. We don't know we are in the dark because we don't know anything but the dark. And darkness is that spiritual condition then, beloved. In the world loving the darkness, you know what that really is a testimony of? It's how much the world hates God. The God who has so loved it. It is a testimony of the world's spiritual captivity. It's what it is. You know, we like to think we like to think that we are enlightened people. Advances in education, advances in technology, advances in science happen faster and faster all the time. Advances in medicine boggle the mind, beloved. The speed at which we were able to produce a viable vaccine for COVID is absolutely unprecedented in history. And yet for all of our advancements in this world this morning, the world still remains in the darkness. The darkness of mind. And the darkness of heart. The darkness of mind. You see this, right? In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 18. The darkness of the mind is a darkened understanding that leads to a life alienated from God. You know when the Bible calls somebody a fool? It is not making an intellectual judgment as much as it is making a moral one. This is why the Bible says in, 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 in Psalms 14 and, and verse 1, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. From the highest echelons of education and science and, technolo and technological advances and, me and medicine, there are fools who say there is no God. And what happens when you say there is no God? Well, the Bible says, then you become corrupt. Your deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. You love the darkness because your deeds are evil. This is a darkened mind. It is the darkness of ignorance. Preferring the ignorance of God to the truth of Jesus Christ. 
darkness of mind, but it also is the darkness of heart. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows just how bad it is? Not only do we not think God's thoughts, beloved, but as a result, we live ungodly lives. Because our minds are dark. Our hearts are dark. Our lives are dark. Because we're born in the darkness. It shapes us. It molds us. And this Beloved, it's where you are, and this is where you would remain, except God does something. Except God does something. Ephesians chapter 2, getting in verse 1. And here is the darkness. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, but God, but God delivered you from the kingdom of darkness, and he transferred you into the kingdom of his beloved Son. into the kingdom of light. Beloved, this is the only way. This is the only way. The only way to destroy the darkness is to introduce the light. And that, and that is the presence of God. That's the presence of God in a person's life. More more specifically, that is the presence of Jesus. That is the reality of Jesus. The presence of Jesus is the presence of the light. That's what our text is getting at this morning. The light of God has come into the world. God's light in the world is is both judgment and joy. The judgment on the world is that the light has come and people love the darkness rather than the light. That's the judgment. But there is also a joy. Because the joy is this according to John 1 and 5, right? That the light has come into the world and the darkness has not and cannot and will not overcome it, cannot destroy it, 
cannot extinguish it, cannot eliminate the light. Since this is true, since the light of God has come into the world, since the light of God has been revealed, beloved, then this leaves men and women without excuse. The light has come into the world, into this present darkness of humanity's rebellion. The light of God has shone. Go back to Genesis chapter 1 again. In verse 2, in the beginning, the earth was formless and dark. Darkness was over all the earth. Beloved, listen. The first words spoken by God in the Bible says, let there be light. You know what the Bible says about the coming of Jesus? In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has the light shone. What happens, beloved, when Jesus comes and makes himself present in a life? That is the word of God saying, let there be light. His light pierces that darkness. And that life is dark no more. When God said, let there be light, beloved, the earth was never again without light. He pierced the darkness. This is what he does in the life of his people. Presence of that light, beloved, is the presence of Jesus. The good news of the gospel is that those in darkness do not have to be in darkness anymore. That is the good news. No longer in the dark. What the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. For God who said, for the God who said, let light shine out of the darkness. This God from Genesis chapter 1 and 3, who said, let there be light. This God has now shown in your hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory in the face of Jesus Christ. The heart needs no longer be dark. The mind 
needs no longer be dark. This is what it means to be saved, beloved. This is what it means to be saved. Nicodemus, remember at the beginning of this chapter? Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. He came to Jesus in the dark. What Jesus was doing was bringing Nicodemus into the light. Nicodemus, you don't have to be in the dark anymore. Come to the light. This is what it means to be saved. If you would be saved, you must come to the light. You must heed the call to hate the darkness and embrace Jesus, the light of the world. Embrace Jesus, the light of the world. And everyone, beloved, everyone called by God, everyone chosen by God, everyone elect by God are called and chosen and elected out of the darkness. And now belong not to the darkness, but belong to God. And they walk in the light. And they live in the light. And they work in the light. So that others can see that they worship the God of the light. what 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 says. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who did what? Who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Called you out of darkness. Out of the darkness of your mind, out of the darkness out of your heart, out of the darkness into which you were born. Called you out of that darkness, and you were born again, but this time in the light. Marvelous light. Beloved, you know, do you do you know why people are not saved? People are not saved because, you know, they're just not smart enough. That's not it. People are not saved just because they don't go to the right church. That's not it. They're not saved because they're not born in the right family. That's not it. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, the reason why people are not saved. The reason they are not saved is because the God of this age has blinded their minds. He has blinded their minds so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. That's why they're not saved. They're not saved because Satan has blinded their eyes and is determined to keep people in the dark. And if that's the case, beloved, the only way out of darkness is the light. 
It is through the light of the gospel of Jesus. And that's why we preach Jesus. That's why the apostles preached Jesus. That's why in the very next verse, Paul says, For we preach not ourselves then, we preach Jesus as Lord, not ourselves, not humanistic philosophies, not political theories, not social movements. We preach Jesus. Political movements are not going to bring people out of darkness. Educational philosophies are not going to bring people out of darkness. Political theories are not going to bring people out of darkness. Only Jesus. And that's why we proclaim Jesus. 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 We proclaim Jesus. We preach Jesus. Jesus, the light of the world. That is what distinguishes us, beloved. That is what we are called to give testimony to in this world. What is the unique conversation that the church and Christians bring to the world? Jesus, the light of the world. Jesus as the only way out of darkness. Jesus, Jesus, as the only way. Jesus, as the ultimate truth. Jesus, as eternal life. We preach Jesus and not ourselves. The reason we don't preach ourselves is because that would just be the blind leading the blind. And I have no way to lead you out to darkness. Only Jesus can. But we don't preach ourselves or our vain humanistic philosophies or theories of movements or genders. We proclaim Jesus, the light of the world. And because he has shown his light in our life, we not only proclaim him, but then we walk in him. We live our lives according to his glory and his praise. So we walk in the light, beautiful light. Come where the dewdrops of mercy shine bright. And we say, Lord, shine all around us. I don't ever want to be in the darkness again. Shine all around us by day and by night. Jesus, Jesus, the light of the world. There is a power in this world, beloved. It is the power of darkness. But according to the love of God, 
there is a presence that has pierced this present darkness. And that light shines in the face of Jesus Christ, granting to us the knowledge of the truth of the gospel to all those who believe. Would you believe this morning? Oh, beloved, I pray that there is not a person under the sound of my voice who after hearing this would still remain in the darkness. Let today be the day that you come forth from the darkness into his marvelous light. Let's pray.